The Psychedologist. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to The Psychedologist. Thank you so much. No, really, no, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Today, I, I'm i The Psychedologist. I'm Leah. And I'm also joined by Maddie, who was on a previous episode about Iboga or Bogues. Hi, Maddie. Hey, you know, just uh, recording a podcast intro at midnight right before I go on the ayahuasca trip. Nice. The trip trip. Yep. Um, headed down to Peru to participate in a nine-day ceremony um, with about 20 amazing women and three upstanding gentlemen as well um, through Cosmic Sister. I was very honored to receive a partial grant for the trip, and I'm looking forward to um, having my first participation in a Shipibo ceremony at the Temple of the Way of Light. So pending this outcome of this nor'easter, the third nor'easter that's affected me since, like, since affected my travel since I was home only a week and a half, affected our travel, actually. Well, yeah, it was cool. We were coming. So Maddie and I were traveling a bit, uh, doing our own things, but then also together in Central America. And we do one of the Northeasters got put up in an amazing hotel in Bogota on our layover on the way home. And after having slept on the pretty much ground mosquito infested tent in the bog, which was great. I'm not complaining. It was a nice uh, respite. Yeah, it was nice to sleep in a real bed after uh, a month, basically, of sleeping on the ground in a tent. Falling asleep at the festival in the sun. It's a nice change. We even watched TV. We did. We watched a movie, which was nice. Getting back into civilization. Yeah. We ate from the buffet. We had two buffet meals. (laughs) Living the life of luxury. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. So, um, why is Maddie here? Well, I think that... It's the psychedologist, but I want to have my psychedelic friends and comrades contributing as much as possible. That being said, if anyone out there wants to ever help or appear on the show, open invitation. Send me a message. And Maddie's been on, on the radio a little bit, haven't you, Maddie? I dabbled a little bit in some radio in the uh, Moab community radio in Moab, Utah. Was a year ago, I guess, or this past summer. What was your radio name? I think it was DJ Maddie Salad, which is my my punk rock name. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. KZMU, Moab Community Radio Station. KZMU.org, if you want to check it out. It's a great, wonderful radio station. They play all different types of music. um, And it's local community radio, so it's all... Uh, supported by the community and you know it's it's you know not one of those big corporate stations and they play amazing music and they do a lot for the community and it's one of my favorite things I've ever done in my life so definitely check it out online kzmu.org and yeah go visit Moab Utah because it's an amazing <sighs> gorgeous wonderful place to visit can't wait to go So Maddie and I know each other through Boston Entheogenic Network, and we also are in love, and we're romantic partners, Um, but that's not a big deal, and that's just one little part of our story. And today we're going to introduce this episode, um, this interview I did with Susanna, um, amazing woman from Finca Amrita in Costa Rica, and Maddie was there on the farm with me this time, Um, so... 
yeah, I just like thought it was a good idea to have him on to send you off into this fantastic episode. This is so nice with the crickets and the cicadas chirping. It's a great episode. Yeah, it's a wonderful place. Susanna's one of the most amazing people I've ever met. Me too. And just the, if you ever happen to be in Costa Rica, I can't highly recommend more going to Finca Marita. It's a magical place. Ah, uh, you know, um, just any, any, you know, if you think of paradise, it's there. It is just the one amazing people, amazing food. And there's just something you can't really put your finger on. It's just, it's like magic when you go there. It really is. I mean, even the cicada squirt, like falling down, like a gentle rain mist, because cicadas like pee and probably ejaculate too. I'm guessing that that's not just pee. Yeah, I'm not sure what it is, but I thought it was raining. And I'm like, I swear it's raining. Like, no, no, it's not raining. I'm like, no, it is. And it was just the misting of the cicadas, whatever, whatever their secretion is. It was quite, quite pleasant. Yes, I love it. And also there's an amazing greenhouse and they have some fruit trees and, um, yeah. What else is there? A horse? A horse. There's some dogs, some cats, an amazing stream where we get our water from, mm-hmm. where we get the water from, uh, amazing people volunteering there and people coming by the farm and just, yeah, it's just all around a wonderful, wonderful place. Yep. Super harmonious. So, is there anything else we want to say about travels or Amrita before you introduce the show? Yeah, well, just it's a uh, it was really nice on our trip to you know because you know traveling with other people, traveling alone, it can there can be a lot of ups and downs, and definitely I feel like when we got here, we had some time to relax. We were we were there for almost a week or so. Yeah, I think six days. Six days, and it was like nice to relax and just it's literally when you feel when you're in a place that feels so much like home and you've never been there and you can just, you know, you go swimming naked and walking barefoot everywhere and swimming naked is still illegal in Costa Rica. Female nipples are illegal. Just so you know, don't, we didn't do that. Yeah. But we did. Um, and <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just totally be free and you're eating the food that, that you or people that you're with have grown and it's just, you're so connected. It's, I don't know, it's like the ideal life. And Susanna doesn't want anyone to do work that they don't feel passionate about or they don't feel like truly like they're getting something out of it and like they're finding joy in it. She just doesn't want that. So if you don't want to shovel the horse shit into the wheelbarrow, you, you say, I don't want to do this and you don't have to. But we actually really enjoyed shoveling the horse shit, didn't we? It was nice. It's a nice meditation. <laughs> Well, in this episode, Leah interviews Susanna from Finca Amarita, a small nature reserve and sustainable farm located in the foothills of the Talamaca Mountains in Costa Rica's southern zone. Since its uh, conception in 1989, the Finca has been dedicated to creating a model farm, which demonstrates the goals of sustainability and ecological land use. We discuss some of the wildest things that have happened on the farm in its 28 years. How Susanna dealt with the trauma of a near-death experience, healthy farms and healthy community, how the mushrooms welcomed her to her land, uh, how she learned about plants and farming, current happenings on the farm, and Susanna's loving philosophy and attitude toward life. Hope you like it, everybody. 
Thanks for tuning in to The Psychedologist. Enjoy. Buenos noches. I'm here with Susana from Finca Amarita. Buenas noches. Gracias. ¿Cuánto tiempo usted habla español? Oh, well, yo he eh, ¿Vamos a hablar en español? Sí, pues. Yo he vivido aquí casi 30 años. Y no, cuando yo llegué, no, no hablé mucho español. Sí. Pero en tiempo, en tiempo, sí. <laughs> like most gringas, when she got here, she didn't speak that much Spanish. That was 30 years ago. But in time, she learned it. Is that right? That's right. <laughs> I go like this, speak like... Okay. Have a few. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Oh, so, well, don't mind the sounds of the cicadas, the shooting stars, the woofing dogs, the cats, the gorgeous garden. We're just here uh, having a little conversation on this beautiful farm, which is the Sanskrit word for nectar of the divine. Is that right? That's right. Amrita. Sanskrit for um, the nectar of the divine. Yes. How did you get that name? It just, it just came. It just came to us. And yeah, it just came. It was one of those things that it was like that. That was obviously what it was going to be. When we bu- when we first bought the farm, it was just called a tree farm, the tree farm. And so uh, finca los arbolos, and we just said, nah, that's not what we want. And it was just what what came. It's you know just perfect. It is it, it, everywhere on this farm. You feel the nectar of the divine. So yeah. It is a fitting name. Um, I stumbled upon this place because I went to a random little festival that was going on. Yeah, go go ahead. <laughs> and um, yeah, just some local folks had put together an awesome um, transformative weekend with classes taught by local people. And on the last day of it, I got really sick. I had a fever and felt like no energy and I was supposed to leave that day. So I went to ask um, the Dona da Casa, the, I guess that's Portuguese. <laughs> Dona de Casa. Dona, si. Um, if I could stay another day and she looked at me and she said, you can stay as long as you like. <laughs> So now this is my third time back here and just been so grateful to get to do all the volunteering stuff and learning and be with the animals. It's it's a wonderful life, but it's been with its challenges, right? Ooh. Well, what what life isn't, you know? That's when you grow. Mm. Um <clears throat> Yeah, I find you to be a really radical person, Susanna. You do? <laughs> I do. Oh, my God. I do. Well, you're doing something radical here, and your generosity and your openness and your willingness to teach anyone, that's almost a radical thing to find. Well, I, I at first, when we were accepting volunteers on the farm, I was super nervous about it and like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Are they going to be okay? Am I going to be able to teach them? Did all this, you know, fear came into me, and then... After a few years, I'm going, everybody that comes here is meant to be here, and they're here for whatever reasons they're supposed to be here, and they learn what they're supposed to learn, and it's been an amazing experience. It's for me to, I've, we've had been hosting volunteers now for over 24 years, so it's been, we've had over a thousand volunteers come to this farm, and it is life-changing, like 
Sometimes I go, oh my God, I'm 70 years old now. This is like so much for me. It's like too much. And then I'll read the guest book. And the guest book, almost every person that writes in it, besides making absolutely creatively beautiful drawings and poems, say that this land has changed their life. And that alone keeps me going. I... um I've definitely been changed by being here. I don't know if I've signed the guest book. I'm going to have to see about that. But um, I did get stung by a scorpion while I was here this time. And that was really good because in Vision, they had scorpions around and we kept joking, like, look out for the scorpions. And then, you know, I was wearing shoes here. I had my flashlight and just like didn't look for a second. And then, wow, I was like on the ground with pain. But you've been stung by worse, right? You've been bitten, stung, and poked and prodded by the wildlife. It's hard not to be when you live here, when you live in the tropics. But it's never, it's like, the thing about it is, we share this space with, with all of the creatures that live here. It's not like we're the ones that are the only ones here. So we have to be... We have to be respectful of them, too. I mean, I, I, as much as the experiences I've had with, with being stung or bitten or any of that stuff, it's like I still won't let people kill scorpions or kill spiders. I make them put them in a jar and take them away because it's just like they belong here just as much as we do, and you have to respect that. What happened with with the big snake bite you got. Okay. Well, that's a really interesting story. It's like I was getting, it was years ago. It was in 2001. It was right, bef- right happened right before 9-11, actually. And I was getting to the point, and this, that was, you know, I had st- just started a few years of the volunteer program, and I was like, oh, this is not why I came here. I really came here to be by myself and work in my garden and play my music and do my art. And no, I'm really tired of having to, you know, teach people. It's getting too much for me. And there was a couple that was staying here, and the man that was staying here was growing was growing marijuana. And that night, he made they made some really nice marijuana brownies, and we all ate them, and we went out on a deck and did yoga under the full moon, and it was so beautiful. And so the next day, that night, I said, okay, you guys, could you all leave and for the weekend so that I can just have the weekend to myself? I'm really needing some quiet, alone space. And so they said, sure, you know, we'll be happy to leave. We'll go to the beach or something. And I said, okay, thank you. I really appreciate it. So the next morning I woke up, I ate one of the marijuana brownies and walked down to the river and got bit by the most poisonous snake in Costa Rica. Is that the Fertilance? The Fertilance, the Terciopelo. And I was all alone. We had no phone in those days. We had no road. We had only a walking path to get here, and I was alone. And you have, I didn't know this at the time, but afterwards I found out, you have four hours in which to get the anti-venom, or you die. So I were high and I was high, which actually turned out to be a really wonderful experience because I was never scared. I was really never scared. I just, I was yelling for help, you know, hoping somebody would come. 
But and then I thought, you know, like it wouldn't be such a bad thing, you know, if I die with this way, I'll die with a snake bite, you know. And I was so I was high and I was, ex- you know, open and accepting of what was happening. And then about two hours into it, uh, my little neighbor came over, a little boy next to a couple of farms down who heard me yelling, and he came and he said, I told him what happened, and he got his father, and they came and they carried me up to the road and took me to the hospital, and I got the anti-venom, and I'm in the hospital, in the emergency room of the hospital with the anti-venom, and I look across from me, and there is an old man and a young woman next to him. And she's like, you know, she's laying, she's like, put has her arms around him. And I'm very high from the brownie. <laughs> and I'm looking over at them, and all of a sudden I hear her scream. And I look over, and I literally saw the man's soul leave his body. He died. And I looked over, and I watched his soul leave his body. And I said, whoa. That was the, that was an amazing experience for me, and so it took that was that was kind of an amazing part. But then it took me, oh, it was beautiful. I mean, every person I know came out of the woodwork and supported me, brought me the most amazing things. And the, the hospitals in Costa Rica are not your favorite place to be. I can tell you that. They brought me food. They brought me blankets. They brought me books. They brought me tapes. They brought me, you know medicine you know like nice medicine good medicine you know like the kind of medicine i like and and it was beautiful it was a beautiful experience but it scared me for a long time to even go down to the river i wouldn't go back to the river for a year until one of my good friends here steve volley he goes we're going to the river today and i go no 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 i'm not he goes we are going to the river today and i said okay so we went to the river it took me a long time i was kind of a I was kind of like, why did this happen to me? Like, I try so hard to be a good person, and like, why did I get by the, bit by this snake? However, in those six weeks that it took me to heal and be able to get up and walk, I, I realized that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm, I stopped, you know, fighting it. I went, okay, this is it. I'm not going to fight this anymore. And, you know, I have this, I'm, this is what my job is on the planet. So I, I let go and my, and then, and that's when the volunteer program just started to become amazing and with amazing people here and lots of amazing energy. And, and so that was my experience with the snake bite. (laughs) Oh, and I made a lot of really amazing drawings. The way I healed from it was I made tons of drawings of me with snakes wrapped around me, kissing me, kissing me and me kissing them i had all these drawings and i would send them off to people that loved me and that i loved and then i i have a few still but that was how i healed was by these literally these drawings that is an incredible integration activity wow so i think that the plants teach us a lot and the animals have a lot to teach us as well in that story it seemed like you learned a great lesson from the animal are there any lessons that you've learned from the plants that you'd like to share? Well, I did learn one thing. You know, when I before I came here, I was living in Hawaii, and I and I was studying herbs, and I wanted to know every herb in the books and figure out what every herb was for, and da 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 da. You know, all the plants and grow all the plants. But 
the, but all of a sudden it, it dawned on me and it was a beautiful it was a beautiful thing to understand was you really don't need to know every plant that there is you just need to know what you can grow what grows where you live because certain things that i learned about didn't grow here I had to learn what grows here and what those plants were good for, and those are the plants that I learned everything about. And the other ones, I just went, well, I'm not, what's good? I can't grow them. I, I, I'm not going to worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. What's been one of your favorite things to grow lately? <laughs> <laughs> That's not, that doesn't, well, one, I, I guess there is one thing I love. Uh, I, we've been growing fields of sesame, and I've been making my own, you know, tahini, and that's been really a great, exciting thing to have my own tahini. I make chai every day. I have chai every day, and it's pretty much everything from the farm. So I put a little bit of tahini in my chai, and if you know what, one of my it my one of my main passions in life, and I have not just one, is to be able to eat every to grow everything I eat, mm-hmm. and 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 it's gotten to. The, be where like I'll look at our meal and go whoa everything I'm eating I grew on this farm that's that's for me is what for me in my life and my passion is success are those the sesames over there like the black shells with the little no what are those those are crotillaria those are special seeds that we use to put nitrogen in the soil so we'll we'll you know we'll rotate our crops and one one time we'll have a whole field of those crotillaria. The next year we'll plant corn and beans in those fields so that because they're heavy feeders, so they need to be you know they need to have a lot of nitrogen. So they're nitrogen fixing plants. No, the sesame, it's a it's a beautiful crop too. I you know the first time I grew it, I've been growing it for years. You know most of the seeds that we grow on this farm have been on this farm for like at least 15 years wow so we reuse them and every time you reuse a seed on the your same seed that grows it becomes more adaptable adapted to where it's growing so Mm -hmm. it's exciting to know that these plants are you know like the seeds are really happy to be here and we do a lot of um you know gratitude with the plants when we're planting them one thing that I that I'm really adamant about on this farm is people doing jobs they like. I really don't like someone to be working with the plants unless they're happy doing it and so I get kind of it's it's a selfish thing basically because I don't I don't want that negative energy in the food I eat. So I could tell you a really cool story too about this one couple that were here and I looked at I looked at them the guy and I said, "You know, you're not happy, are you? And he goes, well, my my wife likes gardening. And I go, but, but you're not really happy. He goes, no, I'm not. This isn't really my thing. And I go, well, what is your thing? He goes, I'm an artist. So I said, oh, well, why don't, why don't you paint a mural? So he, you know the mural that's in the in the house over oh, there? Oh, sure. I love that. I, sent, I said, okay, look at that wall. Paint a mural on that wall. And he painted this absolutely gorgeous mural. So I guess, you know, for me, one of the main things that I teach, and it doesn't even have to do with living on a farm and gardening and all that. It has to do with finding your passion, finding what really, really you love so that you're going to do something in your life. Love it. And, and and the thing that's sad is our society doesn't really care about that. So when people come here, that's what I tell them. I say, this is my passion. It's been my passion most of my life since my uncle 
picked a tomato off a vine when I was six years old and handed it to me, I go, oh my God, this is, this is what I love. But this doesn't have to be everybody's passion. Everybody has what they want to do, and, but they have to figure that out. And most people have no clue what that is. And that makes me sad, but that's what I try to teach them. Yeah, I think it it comes back to community, to a healthy community has lots of people doing lots of different things and following their hearts and um, not like being driven by a motivation other than what you're interested in. And there's something that everyone can offer. I've, I've learned so many other things to be interested in just being on this farm. And it's a good, it's a good guideline to make. I, the current structure of the world couldn't withstand such a shift is if everyone followed their passions. Can you imagine how different everything would be if everybody was, you know, doing what they love instead of getting up in the morning and going to a work job that they really don't like for eight hours or 10 hours a day and have two weeks vacation a year to, you know, where they're, they have no clue, you know, what, what their life is, you know, I mean, how they're wasting their life. It makes me really sad. So that's why I'm trying to drum into all the young people that come here is like, find out what you love. Because, you know, you know, one of the things that really makes me laugh is when you, I, it doesn't happen a lot here in Costa Rica, but when I'm in the States, how many people say, and what do you do? Mm-hmm. And I'm going, well, what, what do you mean, what do I do? I get up in the morning and I, you know, do what. I start telling them everything I do, and it's different every day, and I love it all. And they're going, well, what do you do? And I'm going, that's what I do. But in the States, it's actually like, what do you do to make money? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, what's what's after your name, or what's your title, your position? Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we were talking earlier about how things were different when you were younger as well, um, People just kind of like, I don't know, you grew up in the 60s, right? What was that like? Mm, yeah, like, well, I it was like 20 in 1967. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. And, and it was just the beginning of a very, very dynamic time. And it was really, that was when I really discovered that I'm not going to go and go into debt. I did get a college education because my parents were children of Russian immigrants, and it was really important to them that I get a university education. So I did. But I did it just to, mainly just to please them. What did you study? Art, his art and, and, uh, and, and education. I was going to be an art teacher. But when I started to do psychedelics, I went, no, you know, that's not what I want to do. I, I'm totally into art. I love drawing. I love I mean, it's one of my passions in life, but it's not something I wanted to do in a classroom, in a city. I, you know, that just wasn't me, but um, it was, it was, you know, I did, I did that. And then, oh, what we were talking about is how in our day, you know, when we took hallucinogenic drugs, we just all would be together and we'd take the drugs and have fun and listen to music and hike and be in nature and laugh and cry and all that and now i'm learning that it's really a a therapeutic thing that people are doing it with help people there you know helping them through it and trying to get them through hard whatever they have that they need to get through 
I think it's a great transition and it's a great evolution of of the of doing the hallucinogenics. Although it was a great thing for me, it put me in a really good direction. But I can see now that it's even going to be stronger and really, really help people because people need help now really bad. Yeah, I think that um, tools come about and there are different ways that we can learn to use them to discover what we already know deep down. So if there's a good space held to facilitate that learning to happen more safely and faster, there'll be less incidences of trauma from people taking psychedelics and um, and maybe even some more uh, clear progress as opposed to kind of like a, a loosely fitted, like, oh, okay, I'm, I've definitely been changed by this. But now people come out of, you know, psychedelic therapy or a ceremony or whatever. And uh, they, you know, they've cleared some past trauma. It's very specific, you know, which I think that when I first started taking psychedelics, I didn't really know what was happening. And now some time has passed and I can see what was going on, that it there was some kind of intentional journey I was on. But when you're in it, you don't really know what's going to happen. No, you never do. But you it's good to have a facilitator that can really, you know, point you in the right direction and help you to to really get something out of it. Like, I remember getting something out of it, but, you know, there like some people it was very traumatic for, and it kind of, you know, did, you know, was a trauma in their life that they still are trying to deal with. But the situation now, especially in the United States with how people are, um, there's so many addictions to heavy drugs mm-hmm. that... We need something to help those people, and I mean it's it's just rampant. So if this if some kind of you know having a facilitator to help you with getting you know getting out what you need to get out, bringing up what you need to bring up, and seeing it and and like pulling out you know from the mud and becoming a lotus, you know that I think that's really it's beautiful to see really did you know that the lotus is the only plant that seeds and flowers at the same time oh no i don't even know what that means but i know that that's true i would like to see that i would like to see the seed and the flower at the same time that's cool i just love the image of it coming out of the mud because it's like bringing up you know what needs to come up you know i think that's really important What has it been like to be a woman in all the things that you've gone through? Oh, it's been a learning experience, really a learning experience. I, I, um, and a mother and a grandmother and all that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been, you know, I feel. I, I, I can't even really, you know, talk about it because it's just it's just been an experience. You know, lots of different things have happened. You know, I I was able to find an amazing partner who really had the same passion and the same idea that I've had that I had in how we created this space together. Um, and we both moved on from that from that relationship, which has been a good thing too. Um, now I'm 70, and I'm just enjoying my life. You know, enjoying. I have my 
my children and my grandchildren here on the farm with me now and another family member and and then you know lots of beautiful 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 volunteers that come through i have a reputation of getting the cream of the crop of volunteers on this farm because i tell people i feel good about the future i think things are really changing you know i'm super optimistic and they go yeah well you get the cream of the crop on your farm (laughs) (laughs) but anyway i still feel pretty optimistic about it you know i know that things have to change and i don't know if i'll see that change i'm seeing it sort in some ways i'm seeing the beginnings of it but i don't know i'll just take it one step at a time yeah, I think that addiction is one um, symptom of a greater illness that has befallen the human race. Um, you know, the, the whole system of the planet, really. It's because as one part in this, as one piece in this whole system, we just can can tear a lot down. And um, it is a kind of kind of mycelial in a way. We need more mushrooms on this farm, by the way. <laughs> we have mushrooms. Oh, we yeah. have mushrooms, yeah. And in the rainy season, you probably get a lot of Yeah, that's yeah. when, you know, in the horse poop, cow poop. Oh, right. Yeah. Right, right, right. That's how I got here. In fact, when I first got to this farm, after we bought the farm, we went back to Hawaii and sold our business, and then we came here. And I was like, what did we do? We made the huge mistake. Why did we do this? Why did we do this? This was the biggest mistake in the world. You know, like, why did we leave everything? And then I'm walking to the river, and I see a mushroom. And this mushroom calls out my name and goes, eat me. And I'm going, wait a minute, what? And so I did. I ate this mushroom. And that mushroom said, okay, I don't want you to come looking for us. That's not what we want. We just want you, if you see one of us, you eat one of us. That's how it goes. And I said, oh, okay. And so I ate probably a mushroom every day for a couple of months. And sometimes more than one. And what it turned out is they were my welcoming committee. And they were saying, this is where you need to be. This is what you're supposed to be doing. I know it feels hard. The transition isn't easy. I know there's a lot of work that's going to be need to be done. But this is where you need to be. They, they really were my welcoming committee. And so, and then they stopped and I stopped and I probably haven't had a mushroom in years hmm. since then. That was, that was, they, they were there for me. It was such an interesting thing because I was like doing the backstroke, like, why did we do this? And then they were there saying, there's a reason, there's a reason. It's so nice when you get a little encouragement a little reinforcement yeah it was it was really helpful for sure you know to know that 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 we were doing the right thing you know but yeah when we first got here it was like i i had been so involved in a business in hawaii that i just wanted to be alone i wanted to just you know do my art play my music be in the garden just have some be by myself and it just wasn't happening. <laughs> and I was doing the backstroke, you know, like, oh. So anyway, that was how the snake bite sort of changed everything, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just as there are companion plants, and I think that you must know all about that because your garden is so integrated. Um, I believe the psilocybin 
containing psilocybes and humans are companion organisms. There just seems to be like everything sort of straightens out when humans take mushrooms. I think so. I agree. I agree. Yeah, there's some there's some uh, great lessons, really great lessons. I had a volunteer here once, and she asked if we would could go look for mushrooms, and we went looking for mushrooms, and we got some, and and she's like having a great time, and it was raining, and she's running around naked in the rain, and just yelling and screaming and having a good time, and then she told me that her mother, you know, this after that like was over. She said, "My my mom wants to come and visit. Is that okay?" And I go, "Yeah, bring your mom." And then I went, "Oh my god, I I don't I I'm a little nervous, you know. Like, what if like I thought to myself like, it, what if, I mean like I didn't even talk to her mother about it was okay if she had mushrooms or not. Like, oh my god. And her mother got here, and her mother goes, "Let's look for mushrooms." <laughs> I can't guarantee my mom will say that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's okay. I'm not eating mushrooms much anyway now, but they do grow here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like there's a a compatibility there and a helpful when you need it, you know. It's really beautiful. And the consciousness shift that we were talking about, the one that you really get to see by who comes and visits you here, um, is like a bit, you know, the organism of the mushroom is invisible a lot of the time, you know, and then the rain comes and then it fruits and then, ah, there it is. But it was there the whole time, getting stronger and making more connections. And maybe that's this shift that's going on globally now is it's not super obvious. Like if you go to um, a a festival or something, you'll see more, more like fruiting coming up there. But the the big, you know, the big harvest is yet to, is yet to come and it's going to come after some kind of massive rain or something. Uh We'll see. We'll see how it unfolds. But things are changing, and it feels really good. But I think, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just do the best we can. That's all we can do. Yeah. What's your uh, consciousness hack? What do you do to tap in? Um, I like to sit on the earth. I like to sit on the earth and touch the earth. I, I go barefoot all the time. I, I'm literally, um, I, if I have shoes on and I'm in the garden and I take my shoes off, I can literally feel the energy coming up through my feet, into my legs, into my body that was stopped with my shoes. And so I like to go barefoot. I like to sit by the river and breathe the air as the river goes past. You know, I like eating. Uh, I make, I make um, brown. I mean, little chocolate balls. I call them get bakes <laughs> <laughs> with um, you know oil and that, and those. That's fun to do. And I like to have that. You know, pl- and go work in the garden. And what kind of oil? Marijuana oil. Oh, nice. <laughs> Coconut marijuana oil. Mm, that's yeah. the best way. More saturated fat, right? More space to take the the healing molecules. And they give it, they always get, it always gives me what I need. Mm-hmm. That's what I like about it. And you have a meditation rock, don't you? Oh, yeah. I have a meditation rock. I have a, a very, very beautiful meditation practice, too, that I've, 
that I've just, it's like been the best thing that's ever happened to me. Is I love my meditation. I get up at four in the morning and meditate for an hour every day. And that change that has changed my life in such a beautiful way, really. It's, you know, opened me up to acceptance of what is and and not trying to control everything and just, you know, observing and knowing that everything is impermanent and gonna change and just watching it happen, you know listening to the sounds around me, trying to stay as in the moment as I can, every moment, you know, just, and, you know, when I start to, like, worry about something or anything, I'll just sort of step outside myself and look back at myself and go, are you doing that again? <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's been a great process, you know, great, it's been really fun and um, rewarding I'm moving to a farm, as I told you. Yes. And I'm hoping, well, I'm also doing Vipassana right before I go to live there. You didn't tell me that. <laughs> Her eyes just got so a big, everyone. Day? Yep. A 10-day yeah. Oh, you have you done one yet? I did a Vipassana style thing that was seven days. This is, the, if you're yeah. doing the real deal, the real it's going to change your life. It is going to change your life. It really is. I can honestly say it's the best decision that I ever made in my life to do Vipassana courses it is it's just amazing really it's been like I can honestly say that meditation is my medicine mm. at this point in my life yeah so that's your consciousness hack then I guess so that's mm. true there you go it's kind of an obvious answer <laughs> but I think it's going to do more for me than just you know what we've mentioned I think it's going to help me listen to the plants and hear what the plants need yeah well you you know what it's so funny because like when I, I after I'd been working here for several years or playing here in the garden I, I went to I just thought to myself how do I know everything I know I didn't study it I didn't read about it in a book I just worked with the plants I you know I know how do I know what's a weed what isn't a weed what plant is good for what mm -hmm. and it, it just it evolved in such a beautiful way it's like I went wow just from being in the energy of the plants they they'll let you know they do they 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 communicate with you and you don't have to even try you know and they know because you take care of them and you you know and you love them you know they know they can feel it. It's beautiful. It's a good meditation when we were transplanting the first day to have that intention as you're doing the work. And you said when we finish, like, say thank you and I'll take care of you. I'm going to look out for you and thank you for nourishing us and growing. Um, it was surprisingly, like, it was, so, I was like, oh, like every time you tell me to do something, I'm like, oh, please. <laughs> yeah, of course. But yet I, you know, I'd be like finishing the plant up. Be like, okay, next one. Like, oh, no, wait. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean to push you aside there. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Now next. <laughs> I know. I know. People look at me, they roll their eyes at me all the time. Like, are you kidding? Do you really want me to do that? I go, yeah, I really do. I really, really Try want it. you to do it. I had this young man here one time doing transplants outside in the in the in the rows, and I go, "Listen, um, you have to sing as you're doing this." And he goes, wait, wait, "Wait a minute, I don't really." I go, "No one's going to hear you. You're going to be by yourself. You need to. There's this section that you're going to do. You need to sing to the plants. They really like that." 
And he was like, oh, I don't think I can do that. I go, just try it, just try it. Then he left the farm. And then the next person did the next next one and the next one. And I didn't tell those other people to sing. Mm-hmm. When he got back to the farm from his trip, he goes, wow, look at my plants. I go, I know, you sang to them. They were the nicest ones in the whole oh. row. I go, it's because you sang to them. And he's going, really? I go, yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Aren't there things with water, too? If you Do you believe that? If you say something nice to the water? Or... Yeah. Yeah, some people like to put even on their water bottles, really, you know, gratitude, love, things, things like that. I don't know. I believe that, that everything feels that. You know, we're all so connected with everything, so... The water here is good. <laughs> We're drinking. Anyway, oh yeah, okay. Anything else come to mind to share? Not really. I think, you know, I love my animals. I love. I have really, really good, beautiful animals to love, and they love me. They're That's good. A, I know. They are so good. They. Let us know when people are coming down. <sighs> what, what somebody once said to me on the farm, when I die, I want to come back as a dog on your farm. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be anything on this farm, even a scorpion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we won't kill you. <laughs> right, right. Well, I actually, I had a cool experience by the river. Gosh, was it yesterday? I think so, that I would love to tell you about. In I would love closing. to hear it, sure. Yeah. Um, you know what rape is, right? Or hape, yeah. mm-hmm. that tobacco? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned in another episode a great realization I had in a rape experience. I had another good one yesterday. So Matt and I had gone swimming, and we were drip-drying, and we sat down, and like, okay, let's do some rape. He was having him, you know, um, be doing some deep work on himself and just wanted to um, – see what the rape had to say the last time i was on this farm um there was someone here who had rape and it was like down by the river same they had like served it to me and like poof like shot down roots into the ground and grew up a huge trunk into the sky um insane and and um after that i was like i want to buy some of this i want to bring some home so i ended up being able to buy some from a guy that was here so i've had that rape for two years now and i use it sparingly and very sacredly and I always get these incredible visions and realizations from it so Matt's always like let me use some of your rape and I'm like no like this is my special rape every other every single other one I've used gives me a headache makes me sneeze I feel like shit don't get any nothing and so he's always wanted it and so I was kind of holding on to it I'm getting it's getting low so we're down at the river and so I used my rape and he used his rape and as soon as I like served it to myself um I had a vision of actually, wow, I haven't said, I haven't told anyone this yet because I told Matt about it. I had a vision of me um, doing like a limpieza on you, like smudging you with sage. Wow. And I thought, oh, I need to learn how to actually do it because I have smudged lots of people, but no one's ever taught me how. So I thought, okay, I I must learn how to do a a cleansing. I thought, how, how can I learn? I'll, I'll ask the people that, that do that. I'll ask the folks that, you know, have done limpiezas for thousands of years. And I was like, no, I'll ask the plant because that's how they know to do it is they've asked the plant and the plant taught them what to do. Okay, I'll ask the plant. How am I going to know what the plant says? 
And then I get this answer, which is, I'll go into my body. I'll work with the plan, I'll learn about it, and I'll go into my body, and that's how I'll know. That's true. <laughs> wow, that's beautiful. And then I was like, thank you, Rape, for that last message, and I gave the rest of it to Matt. <laughs> oh, nice. Because, you know, the tobacco, I also don't know how to grow tobacco. Your farm was the first place I saw tobacco. Yeah. I don't know the first thing about it. It's Yeah, that's pretty easy to grow. It really is. It's And it's organic. And if you're going to use tobacco, that's the tobacco you use. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, beautiful. Wow. I'm going to smudge you the next time I come here. Okay, I'll be, I'll be waiting for that. I <laughs> You can smudge me now even without it. <laughs> I just I want to say one more one more little little ending story too because this has been it's one of it's an important thing that I'd love to share and that is somebody asked me one time if I ever get depressed and I said no I don't really ever get depressed but sometimes I get out of balance mm. and I feel that I'm out of balance and so I usually go right down to the river and I sit on a rock, and I ask for help. And every single time I do that, I get the same answer. Two things, I'm told. The first thing is stay in the moment, which is a really important lesson, because you can't be anything but feel balanced in the, in the moment. And the second thing it told me was, because of the position I'm in, I have to be a model. I have to walk my talk. I can't just talk about things and, and not do them. So those two things have been pounded in me. Stay in the moment and walk your talk and be a model. So <sighs> That's so wonderful. You are a model. I don't know. We'll see. You know, I'm just uh, doing the best I can and enjoy. I'm just, you know, happy, you know, happy doing what I do. And that's, if I could, if that could be, if that's the one thing I could give to people, I would be happy. It's just to figure out what it is you're passionate about and do it. Thank you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Go get the phone now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, what a great conversation. Am I right? Amarita, Amarita? Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, Susanna's voice, just, uh, it's like the most soothing thing ever. Uh, she should record meditations. Oh, oh my. I would, I would, I would buy that. <laughs> I would buy it too. Well, if you want to volunteer at Amrita, you can email them at amrtasa at yahoo.com. Or you can check out their website, not frequently edited, I was told to remind you, fincaamarita.com, A-M-R-T-A. And they're also on Facebook as Finca Amarita, so check them out there. I highly recommend it. Yeah. I can't wait to go back. As we were leaving, she's like, you, you better come back. And I was like, oh, there's no doubt in my mind I will be back. And if you go there, when you're leaving, she's going to tell you, ah. The airline just called and your flight was canceled. <laughs> and it, you should listen to her because it's going to be better for you if you don't leave. But I always leave. I'm like, no, my flight's not canceled. I checked it. I have to go back and work. In my, I have to go back. There's a snowstorm coming. Oh, snow.
Yeah, it is. Uh, can't can't say it enough how amazing it is there. Even the scorpions. Even the scorpions. Yeah. So you wanted to sell a little bit more about uh, your your scorpion encounter or whatever bite or sting you got. Right. Because we don't actually know that it was a scorpion or not. And I thought you might be interested to hear how it actually went down. You brave listener who's still listening now this far in. Um, So we were walking back from the kitchen to the tent and um, I felt I had sandals on and then on it was like on the side of my left heel there was all of a sudden this very sharp pain and I've I've never been stung by a bee actually it's like fun fact about me I don't know if I'm allergic to bees but um it was incomparable to anything I ever felt it was like a like a pencil made out of like metal sharpened very very sharp being pushed into my heel with electricity electric current running through it that's what it felt like and it i jumped like i jumped and like picked up my foot and like ah something just stung me and then we were like yeah fuck what do we do we brought you to the tent yeah i limped over to the tent got you some ice no, I think you went to go ask them. Before asking, you were like, my leg, it's the pain going all my leg and, and I'm going numb. Yes, yeah, my, my calf was seizing up. <laughs> calf was seizing up and I'm just like, okay, are you okay? Like, what do you need? I'll, you know? Didn't know if I was okay. And then we're like, okay, well, we can go ask someone because we are not from here and we don't know what's going on. We also were really high on marijuana. Yes, we just smoked. So I was like, okay. Leah, you go to the tent, I'll go. You brought me to the tent. Brought you to the tent. And then we're like, okay, I'm going to go ask them if we need to go to the hospital or what we should do. So I run up there. I'm like nervous. I'm like, okay, is Leah okay? Is she going to be all right? Like, are we going to be able to get her out of there? And I, and I knock on the door because it was dark. I don't know how. It was nine something. I knock. I'm like, hi, um, Leah got stung or bit by something. And I guess I sounded really scared and, 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 and caring. <laughs> And they're like, oh, okay, um, come on in. And I came in, and, and I was just, like, uh, trying to explain what, what was going on. And they're like, okay, well, if it was a scorpion, there's really nothing you can do but wait it out. Like, I think they said there's nothing really, even though that Costa Rica has, like, how many dangerous snakes? Five of the deadliest snakes in the world. But they weren't worried that that's what you got bit by, so we didn't, we didn't see any snakes. So, so they are like, it's fine, you, you know, you just have to wait it out. And... Maybe some Tylenol can help or some clay. That would help. And we're like, oh, we don't have the clay. So you're just going to have to ride it out. And and then the kids. Oh, wait, yeah. And then, but then the kids came over and they're like, oh, pee on her. <laughs> pee on it. And if you pee on, the, on the, the sting, it helps. Just like if you get a jellyfish sting, you pee on it. So I was like, all right, that's what I'll do. I've got plenty of pee and... <laughs> And meanwhile, I was lying in the tent, uh, looking up at the ceiling of the tent and trying to pay attention to what might be my last five minutes of consciousness in my life. Seriously. How did it feel? It was very calm, a very calm five minutes. And I feel like, because you you never know how many people don't know how they're going to die. And I know that if my death is the kind that comes and I can see it coming, that I'm probably going to be calm because I was starting to get numb in my hands. I was starting to get pins and needles in my face, my mouth, my tongue, all of it. 
like falling asleep, numb, but also a heat feeling. My calf is totally seized up and my heel fucking hurts. It hurts so bad. And I have asthma and I've had, I've had to be rushed to the hospital for my asthma before. And I was waiting just for the numbness to creep into my throat. My, but I was like, okay, like tell the body it's okay. It is okay. I accept that this is happening. I, I welcome this. <laughs> the famous question, if you've listened to the Iboga episode. I was, I suppose, a bit remorseful. And yet we had been having such an amazing time on the farm that part of it, I honestly didn't care. Like Susanna said, when, when she lay there, she's like, well, and she was on, she was on cannabis yeah. too. If I die, you know, this was a great way to do it. And that's, that was certainly something that I felt. I didn't have very complex existential thoughts like I normally have. It's just kind of like, okay, like, all right, like what can I do to make this situation the best? And you know, what might be the reality of this? Okay, like, welcome it, accept it. No, I wasn't scared. Fearless. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't say that. I was well, there watching you. <laughs> and, and let's not talk about what I was crying about the night before. Oh. Hemorrhoid. Just <laughs> finally got away. Um, so, yeah, so then... Uh, I came back with the information. I was like, there's nothing we can do about it, except I can pee on you. And you were like, oh, are you sure? Like, is that all right? Um, you might get really hurt. So I'm like, yep, they said you'll be fine. And so I peed on you. But I was still lying in the tent, and you were like, get out of the... And I was like, I don't want to get out of the tent, because I was like, there's scorpions everywhere. Um, so I just kind of like stuck my leg out of the tent. Oh, yeah. And then I peed on you a couple times. I felt really good. And it felt good, so... <laughs> Just because of the sting, though. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't do it other than being stung. Know, yeah. <laughs> but, um, and then we just kept icing it, and it hurt all night. It was, you were in some pain, and, but you'd just, you, like, like, you'd be in this pain, and you'd be, like, really in agony, and then you'd be like, oh, yeah, did I ever tell you about the story when I was in Dublin? And I was like, no. <laughs> you'd go on to this nice story about this or that, and I'd be like, okay, and then back to the pain, and then would be like, oh, nice, there's another story I haven't told you. So yeah, it was good, and then we eventually fell asleep, mm -hmm. and you woke up in the morning, and you were all numb still. Yeah, everything was numb for the whole next day. I did all the farm work with numb limbs, and when I first woke up, I had super energy. I had like, I don't know, how did I describe it? I don't remember. Well, like you still felt numb, but you were just like, yeah, you had, you had the, the scorpion venom in you, and it gave you strength. Yeah. Yeah, it gave me power, for sure. That didn't last. But you survived the scorpions thing, and now you're stronger, and you know what's up. You know what to do. Mad respect for those little guys. Whatever it was, maybe it was a little spider, but it didn't. I think if it was a spider, it would have left a mark. The world may never know. I think that's a good ending place, don't you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ooh, pass me the rain stick. <laughs> Basement living. <laughs>